and welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. Friends, how has your entry into 2022 been? I'm going to tell you, it's been challenging over here. COVID and asthma have made it difficult to record podcasts or lead worship, but this has not dampened my mindset or spirit. I could not record last week's episode of the Seeing Deep podcast, so I'm combining last week's and this week's episodes, and I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you. This month, we're focusing on resetting our mindset for this year and for our lives, and this week, we're talking about knowing our mindset. You know, the philosophers of old talked about knowing thyself, and a lot of times, we kind of know ourselves by our occupation or roles, statuses. But when we understand how our mind operates and we know our mindset, we can understand then how to navigate mindsets and not be defined by them. The scripture for today's episode is taken from Proverbs 4.23, the GNT translation. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. This morning, we all woke up, right, and we made many decisions automatically. We made up our mind on relatively inconsequential things that have become habit. Should I put on my slippers? Should I put on my socks? Should I take a shower first? Should I take my supplements first? (laughs) According to UNC TV Science News, we make an average of 226.7 decisions each day on food alone. Now, I can kind of see that because I know I'll navigate through my mind, hmm, is it worth it to eat that particular food item that might not be the best for me? And as your level of responsibility increases, so does the multitude of choices you have to make. It's estimated that the average adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. I think this is incredulous and perhaps hard to believe unless we start to really think about all the different decisions we make every day. With so many thoughts, making up our mind is difficult. Added to this is how difficult it is to make up our mind when we're afflicted with various negative mindsets. Making up our mind with the end in mind is significant, but people who struggle with negative mindsets often find themselves at the end, not knowing how they got there and not knowing how to get out of it. Trapped in the walls of our own mind, we can struggle with depressive or anxious mindsets, loneliness, you name it, and believe the loud thoughts running through our mind. If we do not take our thoughts seriously, they will become our decisions and our mindsets. As the famous saying goes, attributed to many different people, but this one in particular by Frank Outlaw, gotta love that name, late president of the Bilo stores, watch your thoughts, they become words, watch your words, they become actions, watch your actions, they become habits, watch your habits, they become character, watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. I would say they become your legacy in Christ as we seek to have the mind of Christ. So I have mentioned this likely, but I have a book coming out with co-author Michelle Niedert in April called Make Up Your Mind, Unlock Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. In each chapter, I have written about 
10 chief negative mindsets, explored a biblical character in each chapter who dealt with this mindset, and unpacked triggers that lead to these mindsets and tips that lead us out. Then finished each chapter with keys to having the mind of Christ, sharing an example of Christ's example with each of these mindsets. My friend and co-author Michelle Niedert, who is a Christian licensed counselor, brings a wealth of experience to this topic in her biblical counseling with practical takeaways for each of these mindsets as well. You know, writing this book was so therapeutic for me because I think once you are called by God to write on something and you do this intensive research, it is what I'm doing my dissertation on as well, you start to have your eyes really opened to just how much our mindsets impact our lives. And part of the healing our broken mindsets is understanding how we develop them and what mindset struggles we actually have. So I have a quiz I've developed, and the link to that quiz is in the show notes for this podcast on my website. Take this quiz and see what your core negative mindset battle is. Let's dive into these 10 mindsets now to give you a description of each, as well as a scripture that correlates to each mindset. As I share these, this is just to give you an introductory of these 10 core chief negative mindset battles that we have. And you may find that all of them you can relate to on some level. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, that you got issues. We all got issues anyway, but it does mean you can be aware You can be aware when you are affected or afflicted by mindset, you can do something about it. Number one, the angry mindset. James 1.20, the CEV translation says, if you are angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. I don't know about you, but if something prevents me from doing good and pleasing God, it needs to go. No excuses, right? The angry mindset is not always characterized by a grumpy persona filled with rage. It can be detected by the presence of bitterness and resentment and frustration when we don't get our way. We feel out of control, let down. Maybe we scream or weep or gnash our teeth as we don't know how to process the emotions pumping adrenaline through our veins. It might feel uncontainable, but God. Anger is often a sinful response to something we cannot control. The war of anger can be won, when we recognize, approach, and win the battles one by one that anger wages. Examining the roots of anger, we need to deal with the causes biblically through God's word. It is possible. So which roots might anger contain? Uh, Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, pride, being offended regularly. Do you know someone like that? Have you been like that? Where we just kind of get bugged over things? Or maybe even being a control freak are some of the possible symptoms. You may not be an angry person, but you might be afflicted by an angry mindset. This is when you feel like you deserved better. You mull over the actions of others and nurse your grudges. Maybe it was an offense. The Bible tells us to get rid of all bitterness, but how? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know, we can repent of resentment and lay down grudges and unforgiveness. Jesus can accomplish this work in us. Feelings are not facts. We can control moments of ire as we learn how to process them biblically and form new habits. We don't have to let a moment define us negatively. 
Exposing resentment and unforgiveness can change our perspective and remind us of what matters most. Asking God to help remove our bitterness and to choose to forgive can quench the fires of anger as we humble ourselves and trust the Lord for retribution. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You know, I think sometimes as a mama, we all have those times where either disobedience or other things that happen in family life can kind of send us into a little bit of anger. The question is, how do we process that? You see, giving into it is giving into a mindset. It isn't just emotion. It can impact much more than that. Number two, the anxious mindset. Psalm 94 verse 19 says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. This is one that our culture manufactures in all of us, anxiety. And to be clear, we will all have to battle with all these mindsets on one level or another. It doesn't matter what the source of your anxiety or how extreme it is in the multitude of anxieties. God is able to comfort us. But anxiety is still so very hard. It grips us and makes us feel powerless. Rooted in fear, anxiety can cause us to be timid, preventing us from truly being ourselves. Accessing the power and love of God, as well as disciplining our mind to think on truth, we can overcome the mindset bound in timidity and walk in a mindset of healthy confidence instead. When we are afraid, we remember that God invites us to share our burdens with him. We have a choice. Instead of being overcome with anxiety, we can overcome anxiety with the peace Christ offers. We can choose to trust God who works everything out together for our good and his glory. The realities around us might be harsh, but God is still in control. He is the one we can trust because of his character and his unfailing promises. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 reminds us, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number three is the depressive mindset, battling discouragement and disillusionment. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. You know, that's Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. And I know growing up, whenever I was feeling bummed out, I would like to listen to music that kind of consoled me in that bummed out feeling. And to be clear, I understand that the depressive mindset can be bouts with depression, but not be clinical depression. But we would go to music and other things to try to solace, give ourselves solace in our suffering. But I like how the psalmist says, he put a new song in my mouth. You see, what we dwell on, what we sing about, what we think about, what we watch, listen to, that is so important with mindsets, but in particular, the depressive mindset. If we focus on what is discouraging, We'll stay there. Stolen hope or crushed dreams can bring us to a place of despondency, discouragement, disillusionment. Life is hard, 
but our own hearts are deceptive and can be a poor solace. What we need is God's word to heal us. Depression is real, but so is the joy that our God freely gives to us. It is easy to drown our sadness in various vices to try and lift our spirits, but those methods are temporary, and we often return to the same state as before, if not worse. When we will patiently seek God rather than running to other counterfeit solutions, we will find the solace our souls need and turn our melancholy into a mindset of joy that never ends as not based on anything this world provides. You know, one thing in my research that I've discovered is oftentimes, right as I read this part of it about depression, I feel like someone might say, it's not that easy. Well, you know, sometimes the reason it isn't so easy is because we believe our depressive mindset more than we believe God's word. Let that sink in. Unbelief is what keeps us bound in mindsets. No mindset is bigger than God. Number four, the discontent in mindset, battling comparison and pride. James 3.14 says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Jealousy is a miserable taskmaster. At its root, it is hatred. Understanding our mind is focused on worldly hopes we can choose to cultivate a kingdom mentality that cheers for everyone rather than our own gain. Instead of withholding, which never satisfies our jealous hearts, we can develop a generous mindset and gain what we always wanted by putting others first. Discontentment is rooted in a belief that the portion God has given to us is not enough. But contentment is rooted in the reality that we have been given so much more than we deserve. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 7 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Number five is the doubting mindset, battling unbelief and hopelessness. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14, the New King James Version says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I like the NASB translation of this where, uh, and this is the NASB 95 version where it says, I would have despaired had I not believed. So lost heart or despair, these are things that happen when we don't believe. Thomas understands it's hard to trust in something you cannot see. And sometimes God allows things into our lives that we just don't understand. But God is not calling us to hope in the temporary. He's inviting us to hope in Him, trust in His goodness, and that He indeed has plans and they are good. Like the disciple Thomas, doubting is part of the battlefield we face as we seek to apply the mind of Christ in a fallen world. Life is hard and how we interpret the heart places can impact our faith and how we live. Discovering the goodness of God in the midst of what seems bad in our eyes helps us to trust God more fully and reminds us that God's ways are best. After all, Jeremiah 29, 11 was given to God's people while they were in exile. God's hope never fails. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Number six, 
the helpless mindset, battling apathy and weakness. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, God knows we're weak. We know it too, right? We just don't want to admit or see our need. But when we are weak, we are strong. That's just not a fluffy, fake faith comment. That's reality. Our battle with helplessness is complicated by pain. Pain discourages us and we don't see a way out. We focus on the fact that no one understands what we're going through and give ourselves over to the discouragement. This helpless mindset feels unseen, unheard. We doubt God's goodness and feel forgotten because we cannot escape our suffering. But Christ chose a path of pain and endured suffering with joy. He chose helplessness. He understands our weaknesses and wants us to depend on him. He sympathizes with us and enables us to overcome too. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Number seven, the hurried mindset, battling overcommitment and margin. Proverbs 19.2, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. So as I was writing a chapter in the companion small group study guide for Make Up Your Mind this weekend, I was convicted, (laughs) y'all. I've learned, actually, to not have a hurried mindset, but I realized that there were things in my life that I naturally did that set me up to have a hurried mindset. Things like setting my alarm clock for just enough time. (laughs) I'm famous for that. You know, and phrases like, hurry up, we'll be late. Have you ever heard someone say that to you? Our culture's always in a hurry, and sometimes we can exacerbate the problem by always being in a rush due to our lack of planning or procrastination, or maybe overcommitment. Feeling like a hamster wheel on a never-ending wheel, we rush on. Breathe. Push, pause, and ask God to help you see what the hurry is all about. We might need to prune and create margin in our lives so we can slow down and live in the present. Or maybe, as a recent season in my life, it's pruning other things but being dedicated to what God has called you to. And that might mean work. Look, it doesn't mean that the hurried mindset doesn't mean that we just lay around and that's godly. We're to be diligent. But how are we going to be diligent? We don't have to be rushed in that diligence. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Number eight, the lonely mindset, battling grief and isolation. Psalm 147, verse 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Gripped with grief, we dare not hope for any relief, and we often go to the wrong place for comfort. Our sorrows often lead us to isolation where we suffer silently and accept our sentence of loneliness unless we can recognize the path we're on and cry out to God for help. You know, you've probably heard it said you can be in a large room of people and still be lonely, but God can heal 
the lonely wounds of our soul. Uh, part of the study that I did for the lonely mindset was so, just so incredible to recognize that that word lonely, if we look at it in the Greek and if we look at it in the Hebrew, we discover that the Son of God, the only Son of God, He came in loneliness for you, for me. God can meet us in our loneliness. The mindset of loneliness can become a mindset of hope and comfort when our hope is fixed in the right place, above circumstances and in the eternal Christ alone. Number nine, the scarcity mindset, battling lack and comparison. Luke 12, 15 says, Then Jesus said to them, Be careful and guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not measured by what one owns. I'll tell you this chapter, I cannot get through without weeping when I reread it. God revealed so much to me that I didn't even realize was this mindset operating in my life. When we have times of lack, we can wonder what God is up to, but our sense of provision might be skewed. How much is enough? Comparison is the thief of joy. A phrase uttered by Teddy Roosevelt still rings true today. The provision for others is specific to them and their calling, not ours. God has a provision that's specific to us too. All that we have was given to us. Do we trust the portion God gave and can we be grateful for it? God is able to meet our need. We are just sometimes not too patient and don't want to encounter lack. When times are lean in our perspective, we need to press in harder to trust God and make him our refuge. The mindset of scarcity becomes a mindset of gratitude as we fix our eyes on Jesus and not on our lack. God sees you, friend. He will never forget you. He knows what you need. Psalm 34.10 says, The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Number 10, the victim mindset, battling self-absorption and entitlement. Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. There are real victims, to be sure, in this fallen world where man hurts man and circumstances go awry. But staying in victimhood is another matter. A victim mindset is fixed on our hurts and or on the ones who hurt us. We become paralyzed by our self-focused perspective. Though our hurt is real, God wants to take us from victim to victor. Someone else or some circumstance is always to blame for our pain, and our victim status earns us some reward, keeping us stuck. But delighting in God sets us free from delighting in lesser things. Our souls can be calibrated to learn to find our greatest joy in Christ, not things of this world, as we don the mindset of a victor and overcomer instead of a victim. Whatever the cause of our victimhood, we are overcomers. We don't have to stay in a place of rejection. The mindset of rejection can become the mindset of unconditional acceptance when we recognize we pursued acceptance from a fallen people. The target is ever-changing as people's preferences cause rejection to flood our minds. But seeking to please an audience of one brings us a satisfaction far greater than appealing to the masses. Our victory is sure, and it is not from man but from God alone. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, who gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So as you hear all 10 of these mindsets, and this is a very brief cursory explanation or definition of what these are, which one does the Holy Spirit tug on your soul about? Remember, we are not defined by our mindsets, and we get to choose what we think on. Tune in next week as my friend and co-author Michelle Nieder and I discuss how to overcome negative mindsets. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems. (laughs) 